right, boys, you ready? I'm ready. All right, may I tell you about my gal? Don't tell us all. Listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. This is John Goldman. Adam Conley is not able to make it with us tonight, but we do have a special guest tonight, Daniel Daniel from Deep Fried Pickle Project. That was uh, one of their selections there. And you're listening to us on uh, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. This is Radio Harbor Country. And uh, we're underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. Looking forward to talking with Daniel Daniel from Deep Fried Pickle Project. We're going to get him on the phone in just a few moments and wanted to listen to the rest of that song before we got him on the phone. Here we go. This is called My Gal. All right, boys, you ready? I'm ready. All right, may I tell you about my gal? Quite the same. 
Oh, my gal will swallow you up in one big gulp. You know she's grinding me just the same. Oh, I'll be there in the morning if I live. There we go. That was Deep Fried Pickle Project with their My Gale song from their 2015 album. Let's see. 2015 album called, uh, just it's an EP, self-titled, Jug Band. Um, And that's what they are. They're a jug band. Looking forward to talking with Daniel Daniel. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, read something off of their website. This is their bio from their website. In 2002, a mysterious green iceberg was discovered by a band of unemployed pirates in Lake Michigan. Frozen inside were the Pickle Boys, cold, solid in a chunk of sour brine. The deep-fried pickle project were hoisted aboard, chiseled free, and reanimated by the ship's crude pirate scientist chef using a confirmation, a combination of spirits and pickle juice. As the Deep Fried Pickle Project awoke from their icy slumber, they started playing and have never stopped. Where the pickles came from and where they are going remains a mystery. And that is our intro to the Deep Fried Pickle Project. I'm here with Daniel Daniel on the phone, and we're going to get into where they came from, how it is that they put all this folk music together in southwest Michigan, and where they're going. Right after this. Three, two, one. Hi, Daniel. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, all, Jonathan. All right. Good. Uh, so, Daniel Daniel is um, one of the members of the Deep Fried Pickle Project. And um, you guys got started in 2002. Is that correct? That's correct. Actually, 2001, precisely. Um, we were for a short time we had a banjo player named Mark Kania who we were the old mother hubbard jug band uh and then after he left we felt like it would be disingenuous to um to call the same thing so we changed to the deep fried pickle project jug band all right so uh, and a jug band what makes a band a jug band i mean i know that you're primarily playing folk music um and uh, and almost bluegrass but um what makes it a jug band 
So I would say Jug Band is sort of like a cousin to a bluegrass. Um, they sort of kind of, they. I feel like they developed an almost parallel time uh, time zone in history. But um, what makes a Jug Band, in my opinion, there's different <clears throat> schools of thought out there, but what makes a jug band is, are your instruments homemade? Really? That's the distinction. Okay. First and foremost, can you make music on something that was not intended to be musical? If you can make that sound pretty or interesting or hopefully both, then you have, you, you are a jug band. Um... And so the challenge is to find um, things and, and make things and put things together that will sound good or weird or both and, and make music on them. So I would say that's the definition, the first part of the definition of being a jug band. The second would be jug bands tend to be silly, um, tongue-in-cheek, a little bit naughty, a um, little innuendo in there. Jug uh -huh. bands, in my definition, a jug band does not take themselves very seriously. <laughs> um, That's probably why you guys have a lot of poop jokes in your songs. Yes, yep, <laughs> we love good poop jokes. Just great fun. That's for sure. Uh, so. Um, in terms of your musical instruments, are they the kind of instruments that rotate around between you guys, or do you, each of you have the, your own instruments that you've developed and, and continue to play with? How does that work? Um, typically, a couple of us do cycle through different instruments. Um, so our, our rhythm guitar player, Lash Luthier, who builds a lot of the most beautiful instruments in our band is named Alan Selvage or A1 Selvage, as we call him. Um, and he generally sticks to stringed instruments like his homemade canjo made out of an old cookie pen. So uh, you were sure. Um, our our rhythm guitar player. Alan Selvage, or as he is known, A1 Selvage, um, builds a lot of our most beautiful in instruments and also plays most of the stringed instruments, like the kanjo, which is made out of an old cookie tin um, from the 1930s. Um, his, his, uh, he has a giant artist case guitar that sounds beautiful and looks beautiful, but it's made from an old artist's case. Um, and then Catherine switches between washboard and um, cigar box violin or cigar box fiddle. Uh -huh. um, and then uh, and then I switch between the washboard and the washtub bass. But most of the time I'm playing the washtub bass. We all usually play multiple instruments at the same time. Alan can be, usually be found playing, not only playing uh, 
not only playing a rhythm instrument, but playing a kazoo and a foot drum made out of an old suitcase at the same time. Amazing. So, so we, we, we can, and oftentimes I'll play the harmonica and the washtub bass at the same time and then do some slap rhythms on the washtub bass. So, uh, I'm trying to picture a washtub bass. So you got a washboard. Uh, how does it uh, create a bass oh, sound? Like, wh- so a washtub bass is, t- it was traditionally made from a, an old, like, washtub, metal galvanized washtub. Oh, um, oh, so you're talking about an actual, um, like tub. A, yeah, a tub. Okay, I can picture and that. Then, and then the, you drill a hole in the middle, put a string through, you tie a knot on the inside. Upside down, a, like you've got the yep. drum up there. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, and then you have a, a stick with a notch in it that fits on the lip of the washtub that is flipped upside down. Um, and then the other end of the string is tied to the top of the stick. Um, and then, so you control the tone of the instrument by tensioning and loosening the, uh, the string, pulling, uh, and loosening it. Um, and that creates different tones like bass tones. I gotcha. And just so to say, Uh, are you actually putting, uh, like tapping on the, on the wash tub itself to make the sound, and then the tone is is adjusted by pulling on the string. Is that what's going on? You're you're plucking the string, plucking um, the string, okay. Which runs up from a hole in the a hole in the middle of the wash tub with a knot on the inside of the hole. Okay, and I can picture and, that. I I okay. I've definitely seen those. Um, and I was picturing initially when you were talking about it, I was picturing like a wash board where you might take a, you know, a pen or, or a wooden dowel and rub it up and down on the washboard to, which like we a, do. Yeah, yeah, that's we do. another instrument. Yeah. We, we are a full service laundry <laughs> joint as well as a band. So if you need your washing done, come on over. So there's three of you primarily, Catherine, you mentioned? There are three and a half. Um, So we have a rotating cast of uh, associate pickles. And um, (laughs) the the, the most regular, uh, so it's the core of the band is Alan, Catherine, and myself. And then uh, when he's not acting, um, our fourth member is Mr. Charlie King. Uh, who travels all over the country, but uh, when we can get him, uh, he, we get him, and he's an amazing uh, musician and an, uh, one I think probably the funniest uh, person I've ever met. Uh, <laughs> uh, and all and you great, guys- great songwriter too. So who who writes most of your songs? Do you um, create them we all do. together? Okay. Um, we, we tend to collaborate on the arrangements and, but everyone tends to, um, to kind of write at least lyrics and maybe collaborate on, on the music or, or write the whole thing themselves. So it's, it kind of, it depends on the, um, the musician. I got you. Okay. And, uh, uh, do you guys, how often do you get to play? Uh, we, in the summer, well, this past summer, I think we did a record. We had, 
about 50 something dates this summer this past summer it really? was hectic yeah yeah 50 uh, we dates went over to, a summer i mean if you're talking yeah. about 10 weeks in a summer that's, that's yeah very we we season. we were all the way out in in oregon and we went as far west as oregon and um and all over the midwest too and um and we're we, we, yeah um that's Amazing. the closest we've got that's that was a lot <laughs> so but typically uh, the winter months are saved for songwriting and recording which we are working on a, a new album uh so but we do play gigs during the winter as well um we actually have a couple coming up in southwest michigan um in Chicago, so uh -huh. what, um, what's your you individually? What's your musical background? Uh, when did you first start playing music, and uh, what kind of influences did you have growing up? So, I grew up in a fairly um, conservative Christian um, denomination, uh, Seventh Day Adventists, and um, so I was exposed to music at a really early age um, and learned how to harmonize in church and, and then in church school. Um, one thing about Adventist schools is usually they're big on music. So I was able to um, take piano and then trumpet lessons. And um, so, and some, some practical musical theory, but I've thrown all that out the window with jug band music. So, <laughs> Well, it seems so. almost like that becomes more important when you're playing non-traditional instruments because you have to find where the notes are and be able to remember how to replay those notes and then um, use whatever musical background you have to be able to create the the sounds and the songs from that. So I, I yeah. know that you guys play instruments that are not your typical instruments, but that almost, that seems to make it harder. Well, well, uh, speaking for myself, um, so the um, the rest of the band they have to follow structure, and I mean, there's room for improvisation, of course, but um, I mean, typical like some song structure, but but being playing a one string instrument really frees you up because there is no real music notation <laughs> i've never seen any one write a composition for washed up bass um <laughs> and and so you are able to i don't play the same song the same way probably ever um <laughs> i vary it different um but you almost you know, seem to be implying that there's one note that comes out of the washboard bass but i i'm imagining you, you that know able to adjust the you can do overtones uh <laughs> if you use a bow you can coax some overtones out of it which is interesting um and or if you hit hit the 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 string with a mallet you can actually get you can put some rhythms down as well as make notes which uh -huh. is interesting um but but yeah, that's kind of so. So I had the theory uh, growing up, being in in choirs and and uh, being in bands and orchestras and stuff. But what kind um, of instruments did you play growing up? Uh, 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 let's see, uh, piano. I took a little violin. 
Um, and trumpet was my main instrument that I played for years and years uh-huh, as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Did then uh, as a teenager, I got it into punk rock, um, which I feel like it. The ethos of of punk rock really there's a there's a parallel between punk rock and jug band music i i was gonna suggest that that yeah you know the that uh just pure s- the sound that comes from punk rock is it has a lot of similarities as to yeah and a lot of these band. guys were just self-taught like uh-huh. outsider musicians that had no musical training but they were they were so talented and musically inclined that they just made up stuff uh and it you know changed music a lot yeah, and yeah so i feel like and and jug band musicians back in the 20s and 30s like were either little kids they called them spasm bands uh so all along the mississippi river wherever there was a port there would be um or bars you know for people to uh-huh. sailors to go spend money um or tourists there would be these bands called spasm bands or jug bands where little kids would build their own instruments and then entertain on the corner in front of a bar people would throw nickels at it in the hat or also like in kentucky and and in memphis and all over down south there would be serious musicians there were amazing blues musicians and jazz musicians um, uh, typically African-American uh, musicians that would um, they would just throw some homemade instruments together, put their nice instruments away, and go down on the street and perform this, this crazy, fun, naughty music. And that's kind of how jug band music spread. So it was always like a DIY element to it, and I feel like punk rock and even like hip-hop you know yeah um and michael jones actually in his book he wrote a book about jug band music and and he theorizes that actually blowing a jug which is something you and i have not talked about yet but playing a jug properly actually uh it definitely came from africa because there are people who play that using that same technique using gourds mm-hmm. and 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 actually, he theorizes that it gave rise to beatboxing. Oh, uh, yeah, it's all connected for sure. Yeah. So uh, and so, it's called a jug band, and and playing a jug sounds like it was sort of the original method of creating this music. One of the one of the base instruments that uh, was at the at the well at the base of of the sound of a jug band. Yeah. And that's something that, that both Alan and I and Charlie play. We actually have a song, um, that features us all playing jugs at the same time. We're playing other instruments. Yeah. And so, and the jug produces a really cool can sound for me. It can sound like anything from like a trombone to a tuba to a trumpet. Like it's got great range and yeah good jug playing is is really really fun to hear and so you guys will each play a jug during a particular performance so you're all you're all 
uh, attuned to to jug playing. Yeah, that we'll play them three at a time. Um, what was the what was the song that you were talking about? That um, uh, it's one we're recording, but I'll go ahead and tell you, it's called uh, Three Jugs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and uh, Charlie wrote this, and uh, we're almost done with it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's got a tri tri jug like um, trio section in it, and it's pretty freaking amazing. I don't know if I've ever heard three jugs playing on a song before i'm sure they're and it's and it the song is just the three jugs kind of jamming all oh no it's it's all we're also playing other uh, multiple instruments at the same time it's one of those ones where we're playing two or three instruments at the same time i gotcha so yeah um and i know that you've got a bunch of albums out there it looks like uh four or five different albums that you have is that one two three it's got to be like four probably yeah uh, how did you get to, uh, the, you know, get the opportunity to record that first one? When did that all come about? And, I think and the how first one was was back in maybe two thousand three, and then um, so very soon after was, you formed, a couple of years after, you yeah. Uh-huh. And then our first, I guess, proper album, like studio album, was Whitewood Creek, and that came out in two thousand five. And that's probably, I think that's up on Spotify. Yeah, I um, have that right here. And then, and you'll see, you will, you'll hear a lot of it, it. That one's, that one's a lot more folky and um, almost country uh, uh-huh. than what we have now. But you can see some parallels there. But and then the next one was called Green and Bumpy. And that was a kids and family album. And one of the songs uh, won a John Lennon songwriting contest award. Um, Which one? Is it Pickle Juice? Pickle Juice, yep. Get just who you are. You can pour it down a well. 
will take it to show and tell But don't forget to yell Never drink the juice at the bottom of the pickle jar You can hear that pop when you open the top But as you bring that jar to your lips, your stomach screams That's the most requested song. Uh, we go all over the place, and pe- I can see people singing along with it, which is really crazy to to, to watch. Right? You have these people who yeah. know your music, and yep. uh, th- that is amazing. That's that's. And then the wonderful. last one, yeah, the last one was um, was called uh, Jug Band. I think Jug Band Volume 1, because I think the next one's probably going to be Jug Band Volume 2. I don't know. Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan, were underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And let's resume the program. From their 2015 EP Jug Band, here's Deep Fried Pickle Project with Tati Uni. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Here we go. Such a man. Tattooing, you'll always be home sweet home to me. Good old tattooing. I'm tattooing by the dune sea. I'm tattooing by the dune sea. Once I met a stranger on old tattooing, I was looking for this feller named Opie. Um, hey Daniel, what's that? Um, who's this O.P.? 
Opie fellow? You know, Opie. Now, Opie Wong Kenopi. said, smells like Jamaican barbecue. Me sound like barbecue. We arrived to find that the whole crop was torched. And my Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, two, three, four. Well, the rest of my story, it's quite a blur. Wherever that I may roam Use the force Accidentally kissed my sister Fought my daddy on the Death Star I just wanna go home Let's be Tatooine, you'll always be Home sweet home to me Good old Tatooine On Tatooine by the Dune Sea On Tatooine by the Dune Sea I'm tattooing by the dune sea I'm tattooing by the dune sea Right, and that one's uh, even probably considered an EP. It's got six songs on it. Yeah, yep. And then you so, guys working on another one? Yeah, we're, we're in the studio now. Oh, good. Where, and have been you, for a year. Where do you guys do your recording? green and bumpy studios oh so which you is have your we own... self-produce uh-huh. yeah terrific uh yeah one of your uh one of your houses or how do you how do you do that yeah usually it's it's kind of mobile uh uh-huh. studio um you have all the equipment we'll... and then you bring it all together for the, yeah wherever you and we are. we have soundproofing equipment so we can take it anywhere it's been green and bumpy has moved green and bumpy studios has moved all over the place. Anything uh, juggy about your recording setup, or is that all you know, high tech and and uh, ready to go? Um, it, it there is actually. Um, <laughs> we we record a lot on a um, what's called a a condenser mic, and we use um, a lot of our recording is is live. We use uh, something called. Um, it's an ear trumpet labs mic. Um, ear trumpet labs is out of, um, Portland, Oregon. And they have these amazing mics that 
that are that look really old school. They look like something you would see in the 1930s on some radio show. Uh-huh. Uh and but they sound amazing. So uh, do they pick up everything around them or are they just more Yeah, they and- they have a pretty cool I don't know, Alan's our sound kind of guy, but they yeah, they pick up a lot. So um yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. Do you work with a producer or you, you self-produce these? We self-produce, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and everyone kind of produces their own. Like, whoever wrote the song produces the song, if that makes sense. Because sure. it makes sense to us that you know <laughs> you know the sound that you're trying to get. Yeah. You know, so. Right, right. Do you... Uh, and so where do you primarily do your recording? Is it one of your houses or something like that? Or Typically, yeah, it can be that, or it can be like sometimes we'll rent an auditorium. Or oh, oh, really? Rent okay. a space yeah. somewhere. And so, then yeah, once it you get varies. it down, how do you, uh, how do you distribute it? Or do, you, do you put it under the So once we or? do that, we, have a, we pay a service that distributes uh-huh. And we CD also, you know, CD Baby or one of those. Yeah, see, oh, okay. we use CD Baby. Oh, do you? Um, okay. But we also use like all the other streaming services, and right. <clears throat> and then when we're on the road, we sell hard copies, and we're looking to to like press some vinyl too. Yeah, that would be fun. So, that sounds yeah. Cool. Well, you know the the economics of the music industry these days. It's not about oh, good, I got a record contract. I'm gonna produce some albums and and i'm set and they'll send me on tour it's sort of the opposite it's like you put together the albums in order to uh have something to bring on the road and then be Mm -hmm. able to make income from the merchandise on the road it seems yes just to keep it fresh and you know and a lot of times we'll work out the the songs and work on the work out the music on the road uh-huh. so the, by the time we come to the studio most of the bugs are worked out oh okay so it's not that you go into the studio to create the songs no the songs are after creating them basically i mean there have been times where we've created something on the fly but usually we have the songs pretty well worked out yeah. and then we may get in the studio and just tear it all down and and do a different composition so so is there kind of a network of jug bands and, uh, and, and venues or places that are receptive to jug bands that, that bring you to different places than, than most bands might get to? What was your question again? <laughs> Sorry. Is, is there sort of this network of jug bands and people that are receptive to jug bands that, that dictate where you will get to a live audience yes okay so um uh, you're going to festivals and you're going to uh, venues that are looking for this kind of music yeah like there's the national jug band jubilee and uh at brown foreman amphitheater in louisville kentucky on the ohio river um which is you know we they we are invited there I hope every year. (laughs) Do they do? Yeah, well, they like to rotate the cast, Uh but yeah. Um, So, but yeah, definitely. um, Yeah, there's there's a market for it, and just a market for interesting music. Okay, cool. 
Yeah. Uh, so uh, it sounds like you did a lot of great touring over the summer. Where are, where are some of the places that you ended up? What was that? Well, it sounds like you did a lot of touring over the summer. Where are some of the places that you went? So we 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 uh, we played uh, Northwest String Summit in in near Portland, Oregon, um, and we played Camp Green Sky, which is Green Sky Bluegrass is pretty new festival. I think uh -huh. this, is that one of their festivals? The, Green Sky yeah, this will be uh -huh. their third year of hosting that, um, and we played Hoxieville in Upper Michigan. We did a bunch of like festivals across the Midwest. We did, uh, let's see, we've done some Chicago ones like Millennium Park, um, Old Town School of Folk Music. Uh, this winter we'll be playing the Chicago Cultural Center uh, and pieces around there. So, yeah, we, we get around quite a bit. Well, I saw and then, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and then, uh, John Hartford Memorial Festival, and that's in uh, that's in uh, Bean Blossom, Indiana. That's Bill Monroe's festival, you know, kind of oh, the yeah, king sure. of bluegrass. That's right, Bill Monroe. Built, that's how built I that, you know, he built him. that place, and um, that's and it's they've preserved it. It's beautiful. Um, so, yeah, uh, a lot of good, a lot of good places. And and uh, I saw from the bio that you guys played at Lollapalooza. Uh, what was the format for that? Did, what what kind of situation? So was that? when we when we played at Lollapalooza, we were asked to perform on a stage that was all powered by solar and um, solar and uh, wind. Uh, so it was a small stage. Amazing. Uh, a green stage that was all zero carbon, you know, um, <clears throat> and uh, it was fun. Yeah. Um, and so that was our Lollapalooza experience. Uh, what year was that? <laughs> Which one did you do that? Oh, seven. Right before yeah. um, uh, Amy Winehouse. Uh -huh. Like she, pl yeah. <laughs> she played right yeah. after us. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, so we, we opened for Amy. No, no, no. It, it's so huge. Like, yeah, yeah. There was no. It was like overwhelming, really. So, but that's fun. You get to say you played at Lollapalooza, and uh, sure, sure. But on a regular stage too. It sounds like was she playing on that same stage, or she just no, no. Oh, she okay. was on. She was on a like a huge this. The one we played on was very small. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. were you at the Telluride Bluegrass Festival as well? Yes. Uh, in 04 and then we've done other planet bluegrass uh festivals um that they put on call there's one called rocky grass uh -huh. that we've done a couple times that's in lyons colorado which okay. is fairly close to denver uh -huh. and this beautiful they have this beautiful festival um ground um there in lyons which which is it's like I have not been, well, no, I have been to a couple festivals, but this is the only one in the West I've been to where you can, you can get an inner tube, put yourself, like, get your bathing suit, sit in an inner tube in the river, tether yourself to a little rock, and watch the main stage 
from an inner tube in a river. <laughs> that like that's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah, that's yeah. about as uh, laid back as you can get. Yeah. Nothing, what's more comfortable than lying in an inner tube? Oh, on a hot summer day? Uh, yeah. Mm. That sounds that's good. nice. I have heard about people at like uh, Northerly Island or whatever it's called, Huntington Bank, you know, Pavilion or whatever yeah. they call it now, where you can like sit out kind of uh, off the, uh, um, uh, in the lake, but off the northerly island and then still be able to hear it. And so a lot of people will like go and do that. But Ooh. what you're talking about sounds just about as, as you know, country and laid back as you can get. That yeah. Awesome. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And when did you guys get an opportunity to play with Umphreys McGee? Uh, oh, so that was in California. We, we played a number of times at a, at a festival called High Sierra music festival and that's in quincy california um up in up near tahoe uh-huh. okay. uh, right. and that happens the week the july 4th weekend every year and um we 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 were playing there quite a bit that weekend and i was invited to to come up on stage uh with umphreys and play the musical saw with them uh, so wow eh, uh, yeah cool. Um, yeah. so it's, it's out there, uh, it's <laughs> out there, um, somewhere. <laughs> Someone's got uh, a recording of that. Yeah. That sounds fun. Um, and yeah, and got to play with the everyone orchestra, which is also cool there. Well, we tend to, yeah, the everyone orchestra, was that, uh, Xavier Rudd or, um, Xavier Rudd is probably because, well, Matt, his name is Matt, uh, dang it. Don't know his last name. Anyway. He organizes these things where he will, like, he will be like, okay, hey, we're going to be at this festival. Can you guys play? And can you guys play? And can you guys play? And then he basically just creates a band from scratch okay. right there on the spot. Yeah. No rehearsals. But these musicians are so good that he he's like the conductor he's like the the ringmaster like the circus guy like yeah. he wears like an actual sparkly circus costume and basically he has these dry erase boards and like he will write a key and then a key signature and a suggestion he'll be like a happy dinosaur and then um and then the band will start playing what they think a happy dinosaur is and then he'll he'll indicate the key He'll indicate changes. He'll hold up the sign. Then sometimes, like the he'll he'll also have signs for the audience. Like maybe they're going to be like "woo," like uh -huh. he'll count it down like three, two, one, and then the audience will do something. So it's really interactive, really improvisational, and uh, really scary if if you're up there for the first time. Sure, yeah, just uh, to be able to try yeah. to feel comfortable in that kind of a setting. I actually mm -hmm. saw the Everyone Orchestra at Summer Camp Music Festival probably oh, yeah, yeah. three or four years uh, ago. Is that Chillicothe? Yes, Chillicothe, okay. Illinois, and near Peoria. Yeah. That was uh that was a lot of fun. Uh yes. Yeah. I don't know if they've done that in the last couple times, but um they did have him one year, and that's what made me think about Xavier Rudd because I believe he was playing I bet you, already. And oh, then, and we then, love Xavier Rudd. Oh like, yeah, he's he's super cool, like really different. Sure. And, yeah, yeah, very We've spiritual. That's like um, actually, kind of yeah, Hall kind of music. He and, is, yeah, and and um, like the for actually the way we fell in love with him was at 
Telluride. Was he uh, on Telluride he was there. at the same time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's where we saw him first. I think we saw him a couple other festivals, but that's where we were introduced. And Alan, Alan, our guitar player, he's like over the moon with Xavier Red. Yeah. Do you ever go to um, festivals where it's all jug bands, like um, just jug bands yeah. from all over the country? So yeah. like the Jug Band Jubilee, and oh, then there's right. one that they, they used to have at Old Town School that we would do every year. Um, that since has kind of like taken a hiatus, but I, but we're working on we're working on something. Uh-huh. So okay. um, and then good. we're also working on writing a grant uh, because it's big in Japan. Um, so we're working on a grant to get us out to um the yokohama jug band festival uh-huh. um and and there's also one in osaka as well but i think we're going to try the yokohama jug band festival. you know jug band seems like a very american kind of phenomenon where you know it, it sort of looks it seems like you know almost like pioneering days or at least you know mid-century kind of experimentalism with with mix of bluegrass and a little bit of ruralness in it so to to have a a jug band festival in in uh japan it seems a little strange i mean are there a lot of jug bands in japan yeah really? yeah wow um there's a real appreciation i think in in japan for americana right, and right. i whole, think even more gene uh, yeah just a or... more of a an appreciation than a lot of people here um and there's just these really interesting like clicks and like um uh, these groups of people who get into like dressing the part and replicating the music and celebrating it um collecting rare 78s you know of these these old players and so, yeah, it's kind of a cult of sorts there. And you've been listening to Johnny's Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHC 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. We're underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And we've uh, been fortunate enough to talk with Daniel Daniel from Deep Fried Pickle Project. Uh, don't miss them when they play at the, uh, the, the Arclight Brewery in Watervliet, Michigan, on... Uh, November 27th, the night before Thanksgiving. And then they're also playing at the Livery in Benton Harbor on December 14th. Definitely don't miss that one either. I'm going to close this out with uh, one of their songs, Angel in the Airstream, from their 2005 album, Whitewood Creek. Good night, everybody.
first night in town. She rode the buck and beaver, a cherub in flight. We danced around the jukebox, lit up like Christmas lights. I asked her what she do. Under a tree, we'll 
kiss in the moonlight Test the springs on that airstream Got an angel in the airstream Got a devil in her jeans